Thanks for joining us today on the Centerpoint podcast coming from the Loft on Main in Danville, Kentucky. For more information, check us out at centerpointdanville.com. Guys, hey man, welcome to the Loft. I'm excited that you're here, and more importantly, I'm excited that that God's doing some crazy things in the lives of people. Um, thanks for joining us online. If, you, if, you're, if you're there, too, I know some people have been catching up online. They've been busy, and so sometimes you just can't make it here. Uh, maybe you got a boat and you came here this morning. I don't know. I mean, just, you never know. I asked some guys this week if we could build an ark, and so we're working on that still. But last month, we addressed an issue uh, over social media, and it was the idea of, like, what, what are some ideas that... that the, the church or the people of the church or maybe a sermon series that could be addressed from a topical point of touchy subjects. You know, what are some topics that would be appropriate to talk about that the church maybe is just not talking about? And we listened and we listened and we listened. And what was, was really interesting is the amount of people that literally like emailed me, texted me, Facebooked me, you know, I mean, even one-on-one conversations at the hub across the street. Uh, but people, like, hey, listen, the one, number one thing, you know, it was in, in the hearts of, of where men and women were was the idea of pornography. And so we, we hit that last week pretty hard, and, and people walked away from it with at least a perspective or at least some clarity on what it means to have some godly perspective and, and understanding of where we, where we live, where we work, where we play, and how we, how we do that, Right. And we talked about it from the angle of, can we just address it from this angle? And I, and I have a funny slide, and, it, and it's basically an elephant in the pew, right? We, just, we basically dove after tackling that subject right there because it sits with us every single week. It's those type of touchy subjects that we don't really want to engage, but to be truthful, everybody deals with. And so we dove into it last week, and like Jeff said this morning, we, we, we continued the conversation across the way today with, with, with some men who just showed up early just to say, you know what, I might not be dabbling with her, I might not be addicted with it, but I can pray with you, and I can, I can, I can do this battle with you, and I, I want to do life with you too, and maybe, maybe it's just to pray over our kids and, and the next generation, and maybe it's just the opportunity to set some boundaries up. But we just want to totally allow you to understand this is a safe place to have these conversations. This is a, this is a great place to, to, to put down a firm foundation and say, you know what? We're not going to let culture dictate our lives. We're going to let Jesus Christ allow, him, allow, to allow him to have our lives. And when we can do that, it changes atmospheres. And so that's what we did across the way. And, and women, I just want to give you a shout out. In one month, you're going to have your chance to, to be across the way, and we're going to do something special for you. So keep that on your radars, okay? Um, but as we just continue to address the elephant in the pew, and we look at that, what we learned last week is what we do online affects us offline. What we do online affects us offline, and it affects our marriages, it affects our kids, it affects our, the way we spend things, the way we view things, the way we lo- love things, and, and it, just, it, it literally can torment you, but at the same time, it can, it can lift you up. So what you do online will affect you offline, and that has never been more true in, in the idea of, of the destruction nature of porn, how people you know, just go down this pathway and how it can take them further than they ever thought. And what I've learned more and more about porn is, is it doesn't care if you're rich or you're poor. It will affect any age group, any race, or, and it has one mission. It has one mission. It comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And, 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 and we've even seen people this week, really, really rich people this week that, that own you know, big, huge things be taken down simply because they clicked on a button and they got into a, a, a ring or environment that really just pulled them farther than they ever thought they were ever going to get involved with. And it shut them down. I mean, they, they might lose billions of dollars over this. Who knows? 
But there's guardrails you could have put in play. There's some things that you could do to prevent you from going. You're like, well, I will never do that. Don't say never. Don't ever say never. Because if you click, you have no idea what you do online will affect you offline. But on the other side of that, what I do know is this. This is the cool thing. At the same time, there's always destruction and stuff that is going on because Satan will never give up throwing those darts. But at the same time, Jesus has got his freedom screaming loud and just saying, listen, this is what I did. And we've seen people literally come free of this, 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 this fear of being ashamed. And they've come out and said, listen, this is where I'm at with this. And I've seen people's life be transformed this week. And that, my friends, is worth celebrating. So, man, just men, women too, just want to say you're not alone. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for trusting and saying, you know what, I want help. I want to be free from this. And so I just want to hit on that at the very beginning of this moment to say, listen, the battle's not over. It's not over. And, and, and we're with you in this battle, and we want to see freedom happen. And so before we dive in today, though, I just want to give you a sneak peek of where we're going. And so over the next four weeks, we're going to talk about this idea. Get ready for it. Be still. It's the most hardest thing you can do, right? Some of you don't even know what that means. I mean, we, we just don't even know how to do that. I mean, we, we, we look at ourselves like going through like, like the Roadrunner bunny, you know, or the, road, the, the Energizer bunny or Roadrunner, you know, just flying through things constantly. We run from thing to thing, don't we? We don't even know what it really means to be still at all, especially in the technologically advanced world that we live in. We're constantly jumping from one thing to another. But if we look at the vital need to cultivate, I use that word, to cultivate the spiritual practice of solitude and silence in the midst, in the midst of our always connected digital world. We're going to learn some things. You see, we don't know how to swipe right anymore. We know how to go full throttle. And, and honestly, it's not biblical. And so Jesus himself molded the importance of withdrawing from the busyness of life and times to prayer and rest. And by following what Jesus did, our hope is to develop practices of withdrawing and entering into that secret place of prayer, resting, journaling, and sharing meals with others. And maybe even, maybe even catch this, celebrating communion. You see, as we follow Jesus we can find physical and emotional and mental rest and a spiritual refreshing with God that can change everything if, 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 if we be still. But you got to do it. You got to put it into practice. And I hope you'll join us over the next couple of weeks as we dive into this and, and as we launch it next Sunday. So be fully warned. Next week, you're going to ask to be still and know that what? He is God. That's right. So, um, as we dive into today, I, I, got, I got two quick examples, and, and, and some of you are like, you know, well, I know what this is, but, you know, I grew up in, in, in uh, my, my parents and my family, my dad especially, he grew up, you know, teaching us how to work, and, and, he, and I, you know, and we, we were crawling underneath people's houses or in attics and crawl space, and you're like, well, he wasn't, you know, child labor laws, where was it? I, well, it was just a part of the culture that we grew up in. You know, as a seven-year-old, that's what we did. And, and then as a 14-year-old, I was starting to do things. And 20-year-old, I, I decided I didn't want to do that with my knees anymore. Uh, but that, that was, yeah, I just, but I, knew, I still learned a lot of valuable things. And I still mess around with it occasionally. But some of you are like, what is this thing? And you might want to start to understand what this thing is. Because it can, it can definitely change everything for you. Uh, but this is an air filter. 
You know, and this is what a clean air filter looks like. I mean, you can still see me, maybe, I don't know. Um, but, you know, it, it, you can see through it very clearly, right? And, and for most people, this is, this is the target that I want you to at least view things in today. Because it, a clean air filter or, or a changed filter, a changed filter can change everything for you. You see, the thing that I think is, is, is most people, when we get ready to talk about the subject that we dive into, most people come in here with a filter that's kind of, honestly, clogged up. And if we really want to be really serious about this, it looks more like that. It's really filthy. And I can carve my name and put my initials in this one, y'all. I mean, this is nasty. And by the way, this is the filters of this building. Sorry, we just forgot to clean it for a month. Y'all dirty, though. This is y'all's dirt. I'm just saying... Y'all dirty. But if we want to get serious about this today, if we really want to get serious, can I ask you to change your filter? Can I, can I just, before we even dive into it, can we pull this that's, that's got all the junk that we think what's right and we're just breathing it in and we're like, this is, this is what I believe, this is my opinion, this is what I feel can I get you to pull it out and set it to the side and put this one in? Because if you can do that, I think we have a chance to talk about something without dividing this church real quickly. <laughs> I mean, y'all don't understand. It, this, this, this subject that we're getting ready to dive into is, is stuff that divides people's lives. I mean, we know it divided our country. We know it divided people. We know it divided everything we know about the world in general. It has done it since the beginning of dawn, simply because people's opinions trump who God is. And I'm telling you, it has the power this morning to divide us. But I'm asking you, before we jump in, jump in to change your filter. Because if we can do that, we can be still and know that he is God. Now then, that's the plea. Um, but today we're going to talk about a very touchy subject. And, and, and in the idea of touching on a subject, um, we know that you asked for it. We know that you guys picked and choose, and, and you know, almost 30 to 40% of you guys asked for this, this topic. Now that I can't really tell you why you asked, but now I'm sort of understanding. Most of you just want to know my opinion. You want to know, is he right wing? Is he left wing? You know, what, does he like Trump or does he like Obama? Well, where does he stand on this, right? You know, where, where, what is it? What is his hashtag politics? What, what is his politics? Well, you know, all I can say is, you know, as Christians, as Christians, you, you, you can't get away from this as much as you can't get away from porn. It's just true. Every time you get on social media, you engage uh, from, from the TV, from, from conversations with friends. It's crazy how it can just divide anything but just simply commenting on one thing. And then you offended everybody. We live in the world of offense. I mean, it's just that simple, isn't it? But if, if we're Christians and if we're going to, to allow what dominates as Christians, if we're going to allow what dominates the headlines to dominate our heart, then we're going to have issues with everything Jesus came for. Now, I don't know if you caught that, but somebody should have said amen at that moment. But as Christians, as Christ followers, let me say it a little bit louder because maybe you didn't hear it. 
But if we're going to allow what dominates the headlines to dominate our heart, then we're going to have issues for what Jesus came and paid the price on that cross for. It's just that simple, y'all. I mean, let's just look at Jesus. Can we just lean into him for a moment? We just said, Lord, I need you. Did we really mean it? He was not a part of any party at the time. You see, there was Pharisees, you see, and there were Sadducees, you see, but then there was Jesus, you see, who changed lives that changed what? I didn't see a Pharisee that changed the life, and I really don't believe that a a Sadducee changed life, but I know Jesus did, because he even asked him, do you want to be well today? Do you want to be healed? You see, it was not a party, it was Jesus. Now, Jesus had parties. <laughs> oh, he celebrated all the time. If you don't know the rest of the Bible, he turned water into wine. If you want to argue with that one, go look at the scriptures, okay? But it, it's true. He enjoyed some amazing things that took place, but he wasn't about a party. Now, fast forward to today's culture, and you get into these Sadducees with all these Democrats out there. Man, I tell you what, these Democrats, these you're like, oh, I knew he was a Republican. Oh, wait a minute, these, these Pharisees, man, these Pharisees are almost like these Republicans. Oh, I knew he was a Democrat. Well, wait a minute, maybe I'm more right down the middle. And, and it's much like a libertarian that can't make up their mind. Well, that might be me. But you ever wonder why they can't win an election? Just saying. It's just because they can't make up their mind. They can't make up a choice, and they're just fighting for something that they believe in. Why? Is that we'll fight and we'll die for what we believe in, and it has nothing to really do about Jesus. It's about opinion or a culture that you grew up in, or it could be something that you were taught from your grandmother. You see, we can put all of our hope in a party that helps us when we want it to, and we can cheer on our party that most aligns with our thoughts and our opinions from walls being built to healthcare, to free college tuition. Come on, somebody's, yeah. To values of what marriage looks like. To bathrooms, to equality. All the way to abortions and to determining what is alive to religion. Now, I'll just pause right here and I'll, and I'll this is another subject. But I'll say this from the stage. This is my opinion, and it's a bold one, but for, for life, for them to argue, for people to argue when life is created, I'll say it this way. God knew me before I was even born. And to sit there and to justify a baby on a table, shame on them. Somebody's got some serious answers to call for one of these days before they stand before God because a baby is a baby in the womb or sitting on a table and if you're going to get rid of them like I told my mom bring them to my house we'll figure it out I mean we will and so I'll leave that one alone but just know my heart on that okay um yeah we got some serious issues to work out, don't we? We got some serious issues to begin to work on. And all these are touchy subjects. 
And we can go sideways real quickly on some things. And we can talk about, and eventually, we will clog up our filter again. It's just that quick. Because it's, it's just not made to operate that way. It's made to allow air to flow through it. But, but there's only one name that, that can bring the world together. And you won't find his name on the ballot box the next election cycle. But what I know to be true, he does not need to be in a box neither. He just wants to have your heart so he can change our filter about what we care about. And what then happens is is we can change the world. You can change the world. Now, let's just look at this from an angle of this. Let's, let's go back. I mean, I mean, most people in here either had social studies, political, you know, one-on-one, or, or you're in school right now. But, and for those who are in the early service, don't cheat. Um, but, but let's just see who paid attention in history class. Who was the second president of the United States of America? He, he got an F, by the way. He got a D. You know, we got, we got front row right here. Oh, Adams who? Yeah, but okay, John Adams. Everybody, everybody, you, wait, you waited for the kid to share it, and then you jumped on it. Shame on you. Yes, you're right. It was John Adams. John Adams. Now, the crazy thing about that, there's, if you like fun facts, but there's like six, six first, like James, John, John. I mean, there's all kinds of J's in the very beginning of, of presidents. You go look at it, there's like six of the first 11 are all start with J. So my, my Jason, that's me. Yeah, one of these days. I'm just saying, just one of these days. Um, this, this, is my, this is my political stage for a moment. Anyways, um, but he was also the first vice president. He served under? George Washington, not bad. All right, just, that was not that hard of a question. But some of you are still sitting there going, oh, I didn't pay attention. Um, but, but John Adams served from March the 4th, 1797 to March the 4th, 1801. Now, he served a couple terms, one term there, like, you know, not too long. But then he died. The crazy thing is he died on July 4th of 1826 at the ripe old age of like 90 some odd years of age. The crazy thing is, him and Thomas, and Thomas Jefferson died on the same day, July 4th, 1826, the next president. Isn't that crazy? Somebody who gave so much to sort of launch our, 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 our America and gave so much up. You see, John believed so much. I talked to him like I know him, you know, it's like John. But, you know, the president, John Adams, he, he believed in freedom so much that he was a part of our, our founding board, uh, and he launched some ideas, the Constitution, and he launched the, some other ideas, and, and, and we're going to talk about those in a second, and, and, and some rights that you have, but this is what I, I want to really briefly hit on, is he wrote a letter that I find amazing. He wrote a letter that's for you, it's for you, and it's, it's for you, and here's what the letter says in the piece of it. Posterity, which is all future generations. So it's, it's saying to you, to you, to you, to you, to you. You will never know how much it costs the present generation to preserve your what? Your freedom. You'll never know. You'll never know how much it costs this, this generation, my, my boys, my guys, who are sitting around this round table writing this stuff out. And I love what he says next. I hope, I hope you will make good use of it. I hope you'll make good use of it. If you do not, 
I shall repent in heaven that I ever took half the pains to preserve it. John Adams. Interesting words. I almost would assume at this moment, he's repenting right now. I'm just saying. I look around at the culture and I'm like, there's no way this is what they thought of when they set out to do this, to, to find freedom. You see, one of the things that John L. Adams helped create was the Constitution. However, he favored the addition of the Bill of Rights in that to the United States Constitution. And so Adams was a principal man who was willing to take unpopular stands for the betterment of his neighbor. I hope you heard that. For the betterment of his neighbor. And who is his neighbor? It's you. It's you. He knew you would be sitting here eventually. And so he wrote this. He sought after this. He gave up everything he knew so us could be doing this today. And this is what he said in the Bill of Rights. So we look in, into this. You know, we, we, we talk about one of the Bill of Rights there. The first one there on the top is, is the freedom of speech. Speech, right? To, to allow you to sit up there and say, I disagree with everything he's saying, right? That's, that's what that is. It's allowing us to have freedom of speech. Press, freedom of press, so you can talk about anything else that you want to talk about and maybe jump the gun and, and maybe twist it a little bit. Let's just say that that's going to come to an end pretty quickly, I think. You know? But assembly, it allows us to gather this morning. The, the Bill of Rights is allowing us to do this, to, to congregate in an assembly, religion. That you know, We have the opportunity in this great country to do this. You know, I've been in countries where you can't do this. Like, if you get caught doing this, you will be forced to evacuate or maybe even killed. And so we have the freedom this morning to gather as an assembly and have the freedom of religion to worship God. Some even countries that we've been in in the past in in Russia, like, they even control how many churches are allowed in there and what the the church is saying. It's kind of crazy. And then in China... Some areas there that they don't even allow them to be in. It's, it's, it's nuts that it's still going on. But let's keep on looking at what he also went into. The right to what? Bear arms. And some are like, well, you know, what does that mean? Well, some people just look around and maybe somebody's packing somewhere, all right? What, what about due process? Everything is, is set off in a motion for, to due process. The right to a jury and a trial. I mean, you're going to have the, the freedom to what? Anybody? It's, it's that right to, to go serve as a, a juror duty. It's that moment of clarity to, to help produce good and equal fruit versus a dictatorship where you just say you're guilty because I don't like you. It's, it's the right to due process in a jury in a trial, to search and to seizure. You're, you're, you have rights. You have rights against cruel and unusual punishment. You can't just force somebody to do something and, and, and hold them captive. And, and, and this last one, I think it's interesting, is, you know, it's just it's terminology, but the, the quartering of soldiers. You don't have to do that anymore. And somebody's like, what does that mean, even mean? Well, go back in the time when this thing was written, this article. They were just, there were some things here that now shows us just that if the, if the rights were written today, they might look a little bit different, wouldn't they? I mean, some of these, I think, would, would still stand, but I, I don't think courting of soldiers would be there. I just don't think it would be there. I think they would look a little bit different, like we talked about just a minute ago. I think most people would even dive into saying, you know what? You have the right to what? 
free health care. I, I just think that's probably one that people would jump on and, and say, yes, that's, that's a right. I think a lot of other people would say this. We have the right to have free Wi-Fi. I'm just saying, some of you, I think you would go down that road. I think some of you even would say, I have the right to have free french fries. I don't know. But you, some of you, you never know. You have the right to have free education. And whatever else we could come up with, I bet it would be on there. All depends on how you were raised. But the interesting thing is, and I'm setting this up for you, okay? Don't, 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 don't check out on me yet. I'm setting this up, setting you up. The interesting thing is, is this. The original authors of the Bill of Rights and the Constitution, the way they set this thing up, there's just another amendment, and I think it needs to be one of your favorite amendments, and it's called the Ninth Amendment. And some of the stuff that I'm leaning into, you know, there's a, there's a pastor. He's an amazing pastor. His name is Annie Stanley. And, and he leaned into this stuff on July 4th a couple years ago. And he really, really targeted this stuff. And he changed the, the trajectory of what it could look like. And, and I just want to give a lot of credit to this because this stuff is real. And he did a fantastic job. And, and I learned from him. But he, he, he evaluated the Ninth Amendment. And the Ninth Amendment actually says it creates margin for you and I today. And you should really know this amendment because it's the game changer for what we do. And if you don't know the Ninth Amendment, let me just say it this way. The Ninth Amendment is is actually in here this way. The enumeration of the Constitution of certain rights shall not be contained to deny or disparage others or others' rights retained by the people. Some of you are like, what? Well, this is how they wrote it almost a couple hundred years ago. But let me explain to you that sentence in the way we can say it today. What they're really saying, if the culture was to rewrite it right now, you ready for this? I want the right to do what I want when I want it. With whom I want it, as long as it doesn't interfere with anyone else or amend any other rights. But if it does, I'm offended. That's what it's saying. It's just saying, basically, I can do whatever I want, when I want, and then I, I, this is how I'm going to roll. And if I offend you, who cares? But if you offend that person, I'm going to sue you. Sound like the culture we live in? Isn't that interesting? See, here's the problem with that. If we give people rights but don't connect those rights with responsibilities, things go horribly wrong, don't they? I mean, they just do. Example, did anyone as a teenager, you know, think they had the right to to slam the door in their bedroom and just, how quick did that door come off the hinges? They're just saying, I remember a time and day that our door was taken off. I think it was simply because we did something else, but and I don't know, like, if my child, like, I, I flipped, y'all don't judge, but, you know, I flipped the doorknob and everything because I didn't want my kid to come out no more. I locked him in his room. <laughs> and I'm getting ready to have to do that for the fourth one because he's now escaping his crib. Just saying. It's interesting, right? You know, and for, 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 for some of you, like, you know, I mean, how many as a teenager got the car, right? You're like, I got the car, I got the keys to the car. I have the right to do whatever I want at this moment as long as I don't destroy the car. Because that, that, the speedometer says it goes to like 150. I remember, and I'm confessing this, my mom's sitting back there, I don't even think she knows about this, but we had an Astro van. I remember the day I got my license, 
Buddy, I, I, I explored how fast that minivan would go. Let's just say that four-cylinder, woo! I remember it, it, it pinged a little bit on the way to the Bull County High School parking lot. Got done, and it was just sitting there. Ding, 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 ding. I don't, and my, my principal, he's sitting here again today. He, he gave me detention one day for that, too, by the way. Um, but I peeled out way too fast. And see, I thought I had a right to do that, but yet he, he showed me who had the right. <laughs> he took away those rights and said, you can't drive no more, and then I got detention on top of it. See, I thought I had a right. But in today's culture, man, how messed up would that be? The parents now get involved. You've offended my daughter. You've embarrassed her. It's, it's messed up. You see, individual rights must be coupled with individual responsibilities. Otherwise, we get into completely crazy culture where everyone thinks they are right and the other person is wrong. And then we get into creating new laws to make sure who's right and who's wrong. And we then just try to find the escape of rules because we, we feel like we're right all the time. And then the courts decide, this is where we get crazy, and then the courts decide who's right, and they make new laws. And then we got the Supreme Court to try to justify everything and say, well, this is what the law says. But at the end of the day, where's the responsibility of who we are? Who's right? Who's wrong? You see, the law continues to make new laws simply because we come up with who's right and who's wrong. And we come up with new lawyers to sue whoever simply because we think we're right. You see, why did John Adams and the rest of them come up with all these, why didn't they just come up with this bill of responsibility, like the things that they thought and they valued, the moral character of who they were because they followed God. This, why didn't they come up with this responsibility? This is who we are and put that in motion because they just assumed that this is what we would carry on. They just naturally assumed that this is what we would, we would fight for. They thought that you would stand up for what was right and what was wrong. But somewhere along the line, we got distracted. Somewhere along the line, we cared more about our politics than we did about God. And it set us off in a destructive manner that causes so much tension, it becomes a touchy subject. You see, I I think that they believed so much that God gave us this land and they wanted us to follow in the simple things that changed lives that they thought they would be, everybody else would just naturally follow them because they saw the rights, but man, they were wrong. We, what have we done with them? What have we done with those things that, that, that have now, honestly, have caused a man to repent and half the pain has accomplished it because of what we've done today? Why is it that we get so far bent out of shape over the things that possibly, possibly matter but when it comes down to the one thing that matters more than anything, his name is Jesus, we sit silent. You see, rights and laws have created the gap of truth and love. And truth and responsibility because what the law does, what the law does is set a bar It sets a bar and has allowed us the right to go as low as the law requires. I mean, let's just be honest. Think about that statement for a second. Who pushed the speed limit on the way to church this morning? That's just the bar. It just says what the law requires. Some of you went over that bar to get here. It just is what it is. And and, and until the, the person who controls the right, the police officer, pulls you over, then you're mad. 
Who cuts the corners? Who cuts corners on the tax laws to gain more? Who, who establishes all the laws that are rights and wrongs to create the gaps when we find those gaps and we just camp out in them? If we're truthful, all of us do. We try to find the, the, the gap that fits for us and we just camp out there and we justify it, don't we? You see, these laws have pushed us to essentially all to be a part of the culture which says the rich rule over the poor. If it's legal, it's moral. Law informs conscience and it's okay to look for the loopholes in the law. It's okay to treat them bad because it's okay. It's okay because, well, you fill in the blank. You see, I've often heard, and this is the worst thing I could possibly say up here, but I've often heard even churches say, well, we'll go ahead and do it this way, and then we'll ask for I don't get it. I don't even understand it. There's a right way and there's a wrong way. Regardless of what political side you call your own, we we do this to some level. And the question is I want to raise as we close out today is that I I want to raise this, why? You know, there's any good sermon has a couple pieces of passage of scripture and here here they come for you. Romans 3.23 says this, because we all fall short. It says, for every, every man or everyone has sinned and we all fall short of God's glorious standard or God's glory. And if that's true, the question that I would propose this morning is what is the standard? You see, God's standard is different from ours and his standard is perfection. The Bible says this in James 2.10. It says, for whoever keeps the whole law of God and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of them. Does this mean that we have no hope of ever getting into heaven? Yes. Yes, it does. As long as we're depending on ourselves and our goodness and our rights and our laws of do's and don'ts, The reason is because no matter how good we are or how much we can twist the law or rights to make it fit for us, we still fall short of God's perfect standard. But listen, listen up. God has opened up another way or another right and a way for us to be forgiven of all of our sins and clothed in his perfect righteousness is Jesus Christ. He was without sin, but, but on that cross, our sins were transferred to him and, and he died in, in our place. And now by faith in him, we can be forgiven and cleansed of our sins and our rights and made ready for heaven. Don't trust in your own goodness or your rights or any longer, but by faith, put your trust in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation, for what's next. Now, to take it up a step, I just want to lean in with this. There was a guy named Saul who thought he had the right and laws on his side, and he had, he had the right to imprison, kill, and eradicate all the Jesus followers. 
And however, Jesus had a little talk with him and he changed everything for him. And, his, and his, eventually his name became Paul, the apostle. And actually Paul wrote, wrote many of the letters we read in our Bible. And, and we're going to look at one small passage to take home today. And I pray that you think on it. And I pray that you evaluate where you're at and maybe some of the things we've talked about could spark an interest. You see, he wrote to the Galatians, the people of Galatians, and he, he was talking about the law of the land and the Jews and the Gentiles. And, and he finally just said, you know, here, here's, here's the big idea. Here's the big thought, guys. You're right, you're wrong, you're, you're wrong, and you're right. But can we just, can we go down this? If we're all gonna be living together and we're gonna follow what God says, if we're gonna be called in this, can we seek freedom together through this one big idea? And it's in Galatians 5. Verse 13 through 15. And it says, For you have been called to live in freedom. All of us have been called. My brothers and my sisters, you were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Like so many of us do. You, 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 were, you were called. You know, I'm, I'm born in the USA. I am free. And sometimes we indulge in that way too much. And he says, rather, rather, what's that word? Serve one another humbly in love. Verse 14, it picks it up a notch. And it, but I want to camp out just for a second. Do not use your freedom to find new laws. Don't, don't use your freedom to find your rights or the loopholes. See, Paul is explaining because he knows he's been there. The thing that matters is every Christian, if every Christian got serious about this, about following the law that matters, then we would not need any other laws except the one that matters. We wouldn't need anything else except this. In verse 14, it says this. For the whole law, the whole entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. The only hope of our nation, whether you're a Democrat, a Republican, a Libertarian, a Federalist, or whatever else you want to call yourself, the only hope of our nation is hinged on the 60 to 70% that claim to be Christ followers or Christians in this nation of doing exactly what that passage says. Verses on who we can elect in the office the next go around and talk about what they're doing right or talk about what they're doing wrong. It's if we want to try to move the scale, if we want to try to move the scale, then it starts with me not putting our hope in another president or another law or right that we vote for. You already know that that's a living person sitting on that table. For someone to determine whether or not that is true or false, that is ridiculous. You know what's right. You see, Paul knew that too. And that's what he's trying to get into. Don't indulge in these rights or wrongs. Love your neighbor as yourself. You see, Paul looked into the future. John looked into the future, so did Paul. Paul looked in the future and he knew where we would be because he had been there before. He knew it was a chance that, that we would go backwards. He knew there was an opportunity for people to attack because Satan is real. And he comes to what? Still kill and destroy. 
And so in verse 15, he comes out swinging and he says this, and he says this to you, he says it to me. He says, but, but if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Watch out. You will be destroyed by each other. Christians attacking Christians because I stand on the other side of the political party. You wonder why people don't want to come to church? You wonder why your neighbor looks across the street and says, what is that? I don't want to, I don't want to have a clogged up filter like that. That's ridiculous. Because we're always biting. We're always devouring. Just like a pack of wild wolves attacking one another to see who's the alpha dog. And I'm ashamed to say that we got people leading us that way. On both sides. Don't, you didn't hear me say one way or another. On both sides. It's power. It's power. And if we're going to get this right, we got to walk humbly. If we're going to get this right, we got to learn what he asked us to do. All the way back to the Mosaic law, when it just simply said, love God and love others. Jesus echoed that, echoed that, and he just continued to push that message. And the apostle Paul says, listen, the whole command, everything in the entire law could be summarized by this. Love your neighbor as yourself. You see, the church has the potential to change our culture. The church has the potential to change the culture. The church is you. And you have, you got to decide, is it about my rights or is it about his righteousness? Is it about my individual rights or is it about his glorious righteousness that can set the world free? You got to make that choice. What are you going to stand more on? And I know along the way, there's going to be a political value that you, you gravitate towards because that's, that's who we are. But you better check it, look at it, internalize it, and say, is it about his righteousness underneath there? Or is it, is it involved around there? Is the landscape around that? Is it real? Is it pointing towards Jesus? Because if it's not, maybe you should pull away from that side and get on Jesus' side for the very first time. Now, you're going to be viewed at, mocked at, made fun of, because we know that's scripture too. In the days and the ends, you're going to be persecuted. It's coming. But what would it look like if the church in those days started to change the culture? What if we began to do something that was so radically different and we loved our neighbor as ourselves? I think and I believe if we did it, it will point back to the one who ultimately gave us freedom. And we will center our hearts and our laws and our rights around something so much better. And we will begin to live in a way that reflects the same love that was sent to us by the only father in the world that gave his one and only son to change everything through freedom. And when we do that, when we do that, when we figure all that out, when we gravitate towards that and we start to lean in and we, we submit to that, we humbly walk in that way, we do this. And here's what we do. We honor God. God is present. 
We honor him with our lives. We honor him the way we breathe, the way we love, the way we, we love thy neighbor. And we begin to change a nation once again. We don't put our stock in those rights, the rules. We don't allow that bar to be set so low. We set it high because we're Christ followers and we honor God this way, not here. You see, people like John Adams does not have to repent anymore, especially if we have Christ followers raising the game because there's people like you and me who want to live for more than just some laws of the land. We want to honor God who created this land and we can do better and we must do better and we have been given a command to love your neighbor as yourself. Do unto others as your heavenly father through Christ has done unto you. And you've been called out to do it. Remember that letter from John Adams? You will never know how much it cost the present generation to preserve your freedom. I hope, I hope you will make good use of it. I hope you will make good use of it. I pray today that we put our hope in the author and perfecter of our faith. Not in the president, but in Christ, who can set you free. Jesus, I thank you for today. And I thank you for what you're stirring up. Some of us need to check some of these things off today. Some of us need to repent because we've been so shook up on, on who's right, who's in the office, a wall. God, if we just open up your word, you're going to reveal what's right, what's wrong. If we just dive into it, we're going to learn and we're going to lean in to your Holy Spirit in a way that's going to change our hearts. And if we're going to allow you to be the king of our heart, if we're going to allow you to be the king of our heart, we have to walk humbly in chasing after you. And so forgive us all when we have just sat there and said, we're right. We've screamed out to the left. And forgive us if we're on the left and we're screaming out the right. Forgive us when we bite and we devour each other. It's not, it's not your righteousness being displayed. It's wrong. It's hatred. In its most beautiful form coming through the father of all lies. And sometimes our hearts are gravitated towards that simply because it's part of culture. And Satan wants nothing more to trip us up. So forgive us when we get pulled that way. I ask that we repent from those things. May we share our story in you and we just get loud and proud about serving you and, and honoring you and more importantly, loving thy neighbor. And in ways that only you get the credit for. God, I pray for that, that this body, these people who have ears to hear, the people who have received this message today, that they walk away just trying to figure out how can I do that, God? May they have eyes wide open and ears to hear what you're trying to show them or reveal to them. Father, there's so much we could do. But may we just start with the one, our neighbor. Lord, right now we're just going to sing a song. And I don't know where people are at. 
Maybe they've already checked out. But maybe they haven't. From touchy subjects, from porn, to things that can break our marriages, to money, to politics. God, there's so many things out there that are touchy subjects in our hearts and they can weigh us down. They can pull us away from you. And God, right now, I just ask that we just lean in and just like the song we sang earlier, Lord, we need you in this time of need. And I'm just praying that we we turn to you as a nation, as, as a body of believers, we turn to you and we seek you, Father, for direction, for discernment, for love that can change everything. God, that's my prayer. That it starts with us and it changes our hearts. And in doing so, we honor you today. In your name, amen.